0: Join Scouting Hands Friday, September third, from ten to two at Mountainland Supplies Tool Days Tailgate Party. Get great deals on Milwaukee, Husqvarna, Fall Tech, and many more. Win great raffle prizes like Utah Jazz tickets, SLB suites, and free power tools. All at Mountainland Supplies Tool Days Tailgate Friday, September 3rd at fifteen oh five West, one thirty South in Orm. Friday, September third. That's tomorrow, people. Fifteen oh five West. 130 South in or. DJ and PK, it's 975 at twelve eighty the zone. Hit us up with your predictions. If you want to get on the record, how's it gonna go? Now's the time. Now's the time to let us know what you think of the Utes with game one tonight against Weber State. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Lincoln Kennedy. On the Smart Rain guest line, it is no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Lincoln, good morning. Welcome back for another season.
1: Good morning, gentlemen. Happy football season to you and yours. And, and um, I'm in Salt Lake City right now, and it's been warm. I, I can't remember the last time when I was here, it was this warm, this many consistent days. And the first day I got here was actually very humid, so uh, surprising. Uh, But it's good to be here and good to be with you guys.
0: Yeah, it's been a warm, smoky summer here. We've been choking on the smoke from the California fires, so it's uh, it's been an unusual deal. All right, so I am curious uh, what you think. Ute fans have a lot of questions about quarterback and Charlie Brewer transferring in, but Jake Bentley transferred in from South Carolina that didn't work out. Charlie Brewer transfers in from Baylor. Uh, there is a little bit of fear that maybe he's put up the 9,000 yards passing against inferior Big 12 defenses. What do you think? What kind of quarterback play is Utah about to get?
1: Well, you know, let's let's stay with what we do know instead of talking about the unknown. I mean, which programs have always been, what, run and, run and uh, play defense, right? So I don't think we get away from that, to be honest with you. I think you still have the ability with a big, powerful offensive line which the Utes have, and the number of running backs they can go to that, you know, you can kind of usher in the new quarterback and get. And what helps him is the fact that, you know, Burra has had starts and has had experience. Now, regardless of what you say, the level of talent compared to, you know, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, it is what it is. But, you know, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good opportunity. I think. Utes are a strong football team. I think they're capable of taking the South. And I'm not just saying that because I'm doing the game. I think they have that capability with that roster they have in place.
2: The one thing that surprises me, and you're right absolutely about Whittingham's program, about the running the ball, but you look at their depth chart, and they got three ors at the running back position, which means that they've got four guys. So uh, it's uh, half full, half empty. You got four guys that are really good, or you got nobody who's emerged. How do you look at it?
1: <laughs> I like it. Always a glass half, half full huh? kind of guy. Is that, is that what you're telling me? <laughs> That's not me. Well, <laughs> well I would say this. You know, here's the thing. Um, because this, you know, college football doesn't have it in the exhibition season, as you guys know. So these are the type of games where you kind of get it out now. And talking with uh, Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator, yesterday, he talked about all four of these backs are going to get the football and they're going to try to figure, you know, what it up what what they've got. You know, Micah Bernard and T J Pledger are kind of the same guys, he said. Um, but you know, you've got somebody um, actually I'm sorry to take that back because wrong guys, I'm looking at the wrong chart. Sorry, apologize for that but you know, um, talking about these these running backs that they have, that Tavon Thomas is more of a thumper. Uh, Chris Curry is the guy who's running between the, uh, the runs between the tackles. They've got a lot of guys that they can go to and try out. But here's they only have one football. There's only one football, so there's only so much that you can go around. So these are the types of games where you're trying to get a feel for who's what, who can do what, at what level. And if they take advantage of Weaver State very early in the game and it becomes a runaway, we'll see all these guys and and more uh, from this roster.:
0: So when you talk to him, did you get the feeling that any one of the four had an edge, or was he a poker player and he held those cards back and you have no idea how he ranks them in his mind right now?
1: I think I want to say it's uh, Micah Bernard is number one, and P.J. Pledger is right, right really close with them at number two. Uh, it depends on what they want to do. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that, that the Utes uh, feel that they can overpower the Wildcats um, and, and wear them down, especially with their size and their depth. So, you know, it, it's anyone's guess on how they're going to you know, finagle or how they're going to take advantage uh, of Weaver State. Um, in, in this game, but they want to try to they want to try to utilize all of them because not only do they have a number of good running backs that they can run the football with, but they've got some damn good tight ends. And they have, you know, they with their package. They can toss the ball around. They can run a lot of 12 and 13 personnel, which means they can look like they're going to run the ball and throw the ball to play action. So they've got a lot of options working for them right now.
2: Feel the same way uh, as far as the offensive line, because Kyle Whittingham in his weekly press conference on Monday wasn't saying that there was a commitment since starting five. So I'm wondering, do you know they use this game to see where they're at and solidify things next week when the competition and the emotion ramps up when they play the Cougars in Provo?
1: Now I will say this: the only thing about the offensive line is that they've got some guys that are might be might not play tonight due to concussion protocol and other circumstances. So let's exactly let say somebody for for Jaron Comp, who they're very high on um, and thinks that he could be a player one day. He might not dress up because there's some there's some uh, you know some. Uh, Doubts there that he might not. And then there's a couple other guys on the offensive line that might not play tonight if they don't get through concussion protocol and everything else. So um, that's the only question mark when it comes to offensive line. Overall, they feel solid in their strength and their ability. Once they get their guys back, whether it takes an additional week or so on and so forth, that one, they, they feel that they can handle Weber State. But two, they, can, they feel that they can get through and be able to develop some younger guys and get some younger guys playing time and still be okay.
0: Lincoln Kennedy joining us, Pac-12 Networks uh, analyst and Vegas uh, Raiders. I still can't say the Las Vegas Raiders, man. I just, <laughs> just say the Raiders. The, man. Raiders oh, say the Raiders, I know, right? Drop all geographical references. Let them bounce around wherever they want to go. And a Raiders <laughs> analyst, and we want to get to NFL with you in a second, but uh, handicap the Pac-12 South. Arizona State, obviously, at minimum, it's a distraction. Maybe it's one they'll overcome, but this deal with the coaches and guys having to leave the team, that's a distraction. Uh, USC, I know you think they've been overhyped. You've told us that before. Are they overhyped this year? Where do the, Rank the top of the Pac-12 South and throw UCLA in there. Is Chip Kelly about ready to get going, or uh, is Chip Kelly about ready to get going?
1: ASU gets a little bit of the edge over the Utes as far as the top, mainly because they have more consistent and, and more they know more about the quarterback play. Quarterback play makes such a difference in this game, as you guys know. There's still some intangibles when it comes to the Utes. I think the Utes have a very strong roster. I think they have a very good team. I, as I said earlier in the interview, I still think they are a team that is capable of winning the South. And they might be able to take that next step to where they actually win the Pac-12 collectively as a whole because they won the South before So I think they're number two. Number three is a little bit of a toss-up. I haven't seen enough or felt enough secure to put USC there. I still believe that you know with with the offense that they run and a lot of the things that they're doing, it's not really indicative of their strengths and personnel. But we got to see how these things come together. UCLA showed a strong running game, obviously that they were playing against Hawaii. We'll see more of them when they play against LSU. What they're capable of. But I really think the two top teams in, this, in this, uh, the South Division, or ASU, and, and Utah.
2: And going in the north, you know, Oregon gets a lot of run, but I actually mm-hmm. pick Washington, and I think that Washington, and it's hard to say, that they're underrated because they are the Huskies and they get a lot of respect, but you look at the quarterback back, all five linemen back, top four running backs back, tight end, Auden looks like another one. They've had a number of great tight ends there. So I really like them. What do you think about the North?
1: Well, I, I feel the same way, of course, and I'm trying to be a little slightly, i trying to be non-partial because I am a dog, but it is what it is. Um, the thing is, I think, uh, Washington and Oregon both have good teams, and I, I think Oregon has, you know, a little bit on the, better as far as the pass rush in the front seven than Washington has. But Washington, over the last couple of years, has been known as defensive back you, so they can shut down anyone's passing attack. It's whether or not they can stop the run. You know, here's what I here's what I appreciate about college football, guys, is that we have such rivalries built into such such things for the most part in college football that we can look forward to Oregon versus Washington game, SC versus LA. I, I I'm hoping that one day we can truly develop, and it might be you know Utah, Washington, it might be you know Utah, Arizona State, or whatever. But get those rivalries built into where you can look for, look forward to those games that they mean a whole lot more. If you know what I'm talking about, um, and for the most part, it, you know a rivalry is not considered a rivalry if it's one-sided. So if one t- one school has had its you know way or control over another for years, and, and it's been you know you can't really explain on it, it is what it is. But for the most part, you know, you want to see these things go back and forth. You want to see the two teams that are vying, or that we're referring to are competing for a championship or putting themselves in position for a championship and their rival is standing in the way from them getting there. But, and I think that's what you have out of the North. That's why I bring that up. I think you've got a collision course between Washington and Oregon, and there are going to be some disruptions. It'll it'll be maybe a Cal, maybe a Stanford. There might be somebody else who steps in there and knocks one of these teams off or catches them off guard to really make things hard for them. But we are on a collision course for those two teams to meet, and they'll probably decide the outcome of the North.
0: Lincoln Kennedy, join us, pac World Network analyst and an analyst for Raider Radio Broadcast with Brent Musburger. I am curious, as a dog... As a guy who's got those deep Washington roots, having played there, when you see what Oklahoma and Texas did to the Big Twelve, do you think there's any chance USC, Oregon, and Washington would ever do that to the Pac-12, or do you think that's uh, people having nightmares and they need to calm down?
1: As you know, in my opinion, guys, as long as we have these arguments about expanding the playoff and what that can do. I think we're on, a, we're on a course to eventually see a change in college football. I believe that, in all honesty, instead of having things like the FBS and FCS, we're going to have a tier system. There are very few universities in this, in this country that can stand alone on their own without a TV deal. And what I'm talking about is places like Texas, places like Notre Dame, places like BYU. Um, and, and, and you can even make the argument for SC. Now you can make the argument for Alabama if you want that are that are capable of standing on their own without a TV deal, places like that. I think what you would put on in, in my in sort of my mind of thinking about things would be what I consider like a tier one. There's tier one teams. There's your Oregon's, your Washington's, your Utah's. You, those are your tier ones. Okay, then you'll have your tier twos, which will have places like. You know, Colorado State and, and um, you know, um, uh, San Diego State. I'm, I'm thinking of teams Fresno State off the top of my head. Then a Tier 3 lower and so on. And then you'll have your championship st- systems for those teams in place because that's where the big money is going to go to. You're going to see college football take a, take a, uh, a parallel seat to what the NFL did as far as its new um, uh, TV package, media streaming. That's the future okay, that's what we're heading into. College football is going to get, I bet you do it. So now you see universities partnering up with other powerful universities to try to generate maximum interest and set themselves apart from other people. That's what Oklahoma and Texas did by leaving the Big 12. Now the Big 12 is going to have to be absorbed by the other ones. And so you've already seen preliminary what the other conferences have done by, say, the collaboration with the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. I'm a guy who believes Power 5 teams should play only Power 5 teams. I might be in the minority when it comes to that, but I believe that that's the way that it should go, because that's a true test of power. If that's the case, that's along the lines of that whole Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3 philosophy that I'm thinking about. That's why my thought process is going towards that.
2: Yeah, I think it's not only logical, I think it's needed and necessary. We need to get to that point sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, you're probably right, but see, the thing is, is during the current climate, there's just so much money that's being generated by, you know, by the NCAA, NC2A and every, and all the TV uh, um, networks and stuff that are involved with it, that they're not ready to part ways with that. The NFL did what they did as far as saying we're going to step away from places like AT&T and DirecTV because we know that we have Amazon, we know that we have you know, NBC, Peacock, all the big networks and their streaming services, which allows us to ramp up how much money we're going to charge them because they're going to end up backing back on to the consumer. College football is not there ultimately yet.
0: Lincoln Kennedy joining us. Let's talk about your other job as the uh, Raider analyst. We just saw the uh, quotes <coughs> from Mike Mayock, the Raider GM, telling reporters, John mm-hmm. and I, We'll both tell you that we feel like we need to be a playoff team this year, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. You guys are all going to put that in your headlines, and I understand it, but that's what the expectation is. When I hear a GM say that, I think that conversation has already happened with an owner, and they've been put on notice. Am I I out over my skis? No,
1: no, 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 no. I mean, look, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's about time that they do put a playoff team on on the mark I mean you've had your chances to build the roster you turned over the roster everyone made exceptions but now the window is starting to close and the main reason why the window is starting to close for the Raiders is because they have to figure out what they're going to do with Derek Carr the the guaranteed money is over so the you know from future do they commit you know the big resources which is anywhere from 35 to 45 million for a starting quarterback uh, these days Um, or do they go away uh, and, and look for someone else so that's one of the biggest question marks there Two, it has to pay – you know, it eventually has to turn around and show positive results for an owner committing $100 million to a, to a coach and allow him to turn over the roster, get rid of future Hall of Famers like Khalil Mack, you know, and stuff like that to, to make it – you know, to make this team their own. Um, and it's and anyone's guess. It's hard for me to predict, and I'm an analyst. I've been involved with this team, you know, for the last eight years to tell you exactly where they are because right now I don't know. In the final preseason game against the 49ers guys – They left 32 guys at home. Those 32 starters, okay? They didn't play in the final preseason. They played throughout the preseason. So I'm only speculating on what we did or what the Raiders did last year as far as what they're able to do this year offensively. And defensively, because they did not use all their guys, I don't know how well or how, how, how deeply understood the system is, Gus Bradley's new system is, by the possible defensive starters.
2: Yeah, I used to watch the preseason to an extent, but now around the league, it's like they don't play. So I'm, right. my interest in it has just dropped off just tremendously. What do you think about that as far as the preseason not taking advantage or not wanting to, obviously, to have these guys in because it's widespread now?
1: Well, I, I had the conversation with um, with um, my the, the crew here, uh, the Pac-12 crew last night when we were talking about now. For, for the most part... There were three teams that did not play their starters at all this preseason. Three teams that I, that I remember, if, if I'm not mistaken. And I think the Seattle Seahawks, the Los Angeles Rams, and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Okay? They did not play their starters at all. Okay? I don't agree with that. Now, I will say that there are guys who don't necessarily need preseason. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need preseason. Okay? But if he has a young first or second year or third year receiver, they should take some snaps. There's no reason why he's sitting on the bench. You see what I'm saying? And that's my philosophy with the Raiders. I didn't mind that Derek Carr didn't play. Okay, I would have liked to see Marcus Mariota show what he could do, either put on film as a trade value or, you know, be able to understand what he can do. I didn't mind Nathan Peterman out there because he's, he's there. But what I didn't like is the fact they didn't play Henry Ruggs or they didn't play Brian Edwards. And Brian Edwards, you know, for the most part, coming out of South Carolina's last year's draft, missed pretty much the entire year due to injuries. So he hardly played. So what are you saving him for? And Henry Ruggs struggled versus press coverage, struggled versus understanding defenses and how to get open. So why not have him going out there full speed? I did not like that. Um, And and so to to answer your question, for me it's about there are guys that should get some lather, should understand the routine, should go out there and go through the ritual of getting ready for a game. You don't have to play the whole game. You know. You don't have to play, but go out there and understand what it means in game mode and put them out there in situations that you cannot duplicate in practice. And I think you're missing the boat when you do that. You're playing a very dangerous game when you're trying to curl, you know, hold and control these guys or, or protect these guys and, when, and, th- and think that when you come, in the Raiders' case, September 13th, when they go out there against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday night, that you could just turn it on like a light switch and everything will go well.
0: I've lived my entire life in the western side of the U.S., and I am one of the few people who has West Coast bias, but I got a bad case of it. Having said that, I don't think I've ever been more interested in the AFC North and the AFC East. The AFC East with so many young quarterbacks, and clearly Buffalo's got something, but I don't think they're alone. And then in the AFC North, is Roethlisberger got one more year in him? They were eleven and zero. The Ravens, well. Maybe J.K. Dobbins shouldn't have been playing in uh, preseason games. But obviously the Ravens have something going. Cincinnati's got a young quarterback. Got to get him back and healthy. Cleveland is finally looking like they're good. Do you buy any of those teams as real challengers to the Chiefs?
1: Yes. (laughs) Which ones? (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, you can take your pick. I think Baltimore's going to be a a challenge for the Chiefs. I think uh, Pittsburgh could very well be a challenge for the Chiefs. But here's the thing. You don't want to have Ben throwing it, you know, five six hundred times all around the field. You want to have a running game. Get back to what you know, and I think Pittsburgh can do that. Uh, especially with the way they drafted and, and, and if they can put the, find a way to piece their offensive line together. Um, but I think Baltimore is a threat. I think Cleveland is a threat with that two-headed running back system. And if they take the they continue to take the pressure off of Baker Mayfield and allow them to make throws, I think they have the defense. I think they have the offense to do it. I think Cincinnati will surprise a few people. I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but I'm saying that they can beat a couple of people here and there just to disrupt the sort of flow. I think the AFC East in general is going to be competitive. Um, uh, you know, you've got Buffalo. New England, now that they've got their quarterback and what everything else, they surround the Browns, can be disruptive as well. And uh, Miami is still in the fold, even though I, I'm, I'm starting to lose more and more um, uh, confidence and to a tag of So uh, I don't think we'll know where they're going to go with that. Um, but anyways, to answer your question, I, I don't think it's a clear-cut runaway thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I also believe, knowing this because I experienced it, and what they call Super Bowl hangover, and I'm not saying that the Chiefs aren't going to, you know, be capable. But teams in the past coming off a Super Bowl loss haven't fared well the following year, and the Chiefs are right in that sort of sort of segue, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm.
2: So, like, uh, I'm fascinated in the way the game is going now in the NFL, and especially the run on quarterbacks. It seems like. Every team is trying to get one, and so I wonder if these kids are overinflated in their draft positions and should they go as high as they go because it's just a run on quarterbacks almost virtually every year, this past season being no exception. And it looks like you're going to have three or four, maybe five, when it's said and done, that the rookies are playing. What's your stance as far as if you're taking this quarterback high, and we know with the Jaguars, Jets, uh and obviously the Patriots, possibly with the Bears, and I'm leaving somebody else out. Oh, uh, yeah, that, that all those guys. It looks like when we get to October, all these guys would be playing. What do you think about that?
1: Not surprised. You know, the, the thing is, is the modern-day NFL is trying to strike while the getting is good. There are a lot of teams out there, in my opinion, that are a quarterback away from really making a run. One of them is the 49ers. They're a quarterback away. Look, when Jimmy Garoppolo has played and started, he's been good. The problem is he can't finish the season. He's been often injured, so you had to go with a backup plan, and that's why, in my opinion, the 49ers gave away their future, rationed off their future, then jumped up to take Trey Lance because they believe that they've got an athletic guy enough, enough enough of athleticism to put them over the hump. Their roster is pretty much well put together. They need a quarterback to sort of put that over the, the top. Same thing goes with the Rams. The reason why the Rams made the trade for Matthew Stafford is not like they went out and were able to get a new quarterback. They got a good quarterback who's been in the league for a while and understands it because they believe that they're just a quarterback away from making a run. There's no surprise in my mind. To further your point, the reason why a lot of teams, especially this past year, have jumped on it is because now in today's NFL by business standards, you've got maybe a four, three- to four-year window to where you really have to make a championship run. And if you don't make that championship run within there, then you're going to have to oh, go over the top and pay your quarterback 40, $45 million. Like that, that you see the going rate for the starting quarterbacks. That's what's going to happen, and that's what's going to end up messing you up because now you can't keep all those other great players around because you have to let somebody go. You have to make a, make a quarterback thing. So the, you know, the reason why you know, Trevor Lawrence goes number one to Jacksonville because Jacksonville needed a quarterback, They were tired of playing the quarterback carousel with the other guys they had in play, and they need a franchise. And besides that, when it comes to the business, you know, the the true identity of an NFL is demonstrated by the the charisma of its quarterback. So Justin Fields will eventually take over in Chicago, in my opinion. Mark Jones has already taken over in New England. You see what I'm saying? Uh, Zach Wilson has already taken over for the Jets. This is just the way the NFL goes and likes to do business.
0: Well, Lincoln, we look forward to talking to you all uh, all season long every week again this year. Thanks for coming on, and we will talk to you again next week.
1: Guys, good to be with you. I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun.
0: Lincoln Kennedy, Packed 12 network analyst and Raider radio analyst working with the ageless Brent Musburger. We'll get Brent Musburger stories out of him another week. Oh, yeah. He, he you know there's a million of them, man. That's for sure. <laughs> Brent, Brent Musburger is one of a kind in his 80s and still crushing it. So. Oh, All right. Legend. DJ and PK, coming up next, we are giving away tickets to see Utah and Weber State tonight. So stay tuned. That's in our next segment. Also coming up, uh, PK's got us call him out. We went over BYU earlier in the show. Uh, win predictions, win total for this year. He's got the u total uh, as well in this column, and we will get to that next. Stay with us. DJ and PK. We've got a poll question up at Twitter, too. Vote at David DJ James. How many games are the Utes going to win this year? Go vote, and we will update you on the other side. Stay with us.